0: talking about that uh, we can together face anything that comes, that we can together reach the world, You know, because of all the different networks and groups that, that collectively we're all a part of, both in this room and our overflow rooms on our online campus, that together we can do extraordinary things. And, and so part of what we did is try to lay this foundation of understanding who we then are together as the people of God, that, that's what we're going after. And what we have found is, is that we have a king. King Jesus came. And he inaugurated the rule of God on earth through his death and resurrection. And then he ascended and he left that mission to the church to finish. But he didn't leave it to us alone, that he sent us the Holy Spirit to empower us to that end, that we have a king and we live in a kingdom, God's eternal kingdom, which is unshakable because God secures it. We don't have to do the work. God's already done it. So that we have this king, we live in a kingdom that God's word is our guide, that he gives us a guide in order for us to fulfill the mission. And he shows us what to do and how to do it, and he shows us the story that we're living in, the gospel story. And out of that, we find that we've got this mission to fulfill, and and so what I wanna do today as we take a look at part two of our missions conferences is understanding the mission we have to fulfill. We heard a great definition last week from a guest who was visiting from, from Thailand, And he explained, you know, from the the wall of the unreached that we have out in hallway number two. And I would encourage you, if you've not gone down hallway two to see what that is, please go down before you leave today. And and what it does is it lists all those who have yet to hear, all those who have yet to be reached. And that is our responsibility. That's the mission. Because what we find in Revelation chapter five and chapter seven and verses nine and ten in both of those chapters is God gives us the picture of what we're shooting for of exactly what his kingdom is of every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. One day around the throne, worshiping like we were doing this morning. And that's what I love about a Sunday morning. We get a taste of it, right? And isn't it good? Taste and see the Lord is good. And so then we have this picture, and so that's what we're going after, and that's what we have yet to accomplish. But, but what we find, and what I'm going to get into this morning, is we can't do it alone. Connection Point Church, in and of itself, cannot do the mission alone. We've gotta partner with other area churches and ministries. We've gotta partner with our global partners who are in places far and long around the world because they are doing the work but they can't do it without us and we can't do it without them. So that's what I wanna get into this morning. Basically, why missions partnership matters. That's what I'd like to share, why it matters because it really does. So if you have your Bible, hey, I hope you do. We say that because we want you daily in God's word. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, Philippians, a New Testament book, a letter that Paul, missionary Paul, writes to a missionary supporting church, Philippians. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, reading just a few verses this morning, verses 3 through 6. And here's what Paul writes So, Paul, a missionary following in the footsteps of missionary Jesus, He's writing to this mission-supporting church, Philippians, and here's what he encourages. Here's what he shares. He says in verse 3, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership. So here's where the joy comes from. Because of your partnership, and not just partnership, but partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, I bet if you've been in the church any length of time, you've heard this verse, but what I want us to think about this morning is the context of this verse. Because of my joy and your partnership with the gospel, here's what he says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's a good promise, right? These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So as I mentioned, last week we got to hear from Alan, a highly effective global partner who has served in Thailand with his family for 35 years. Isn't that extraordinary? That's amazing. And he helped us better understand that missions is the work of sending, that that really, in short, missions is sending. It's about being sent. It's about living sent. It's about sending Christians to those who have never heard the good news of Jesus. That's what missions is. You know we have a lot of issues in our world today, but when you consider eternity, we are eternal. You are eternal. Your neighbors, your friends, your family, your coworkers, they are eternal beings. So when you consider eternity, the greatest issue in our world today, what is it? The greatest issue in the world today is access to the good news of Jesus. We've got to have access to the good news that Jesus came to set us free and give us life eternal. Everyone needs to have that access. And so we as the church must address the issue of access to the gospel. We've got to. And so that leads us to our first point, answering the question of why does missions partnership matters? Here's why. Missions partnership matters because access to the gospel is the greatest challenge facing our world today. It's the greatest challenge. Maybe some of you are unsure about this statement. I mean, access to clean water, that's a big issue, if you know anything about that. Almost 800 million people in our world today do not have access to clean water. It's a problem, right? That's a lot of people. Another 1.8 billion people do not have access to adequate sanitation. So access to clean water, let me be clear, man, that's, that's a problem today. Homelessness, this is a problem. It's estimated that 150 million people are homeless worldwide. It's a lot of people without shelter. Another 1.6 billion live in what they classify as inadequate shelter. So for sure, homelessness is an issue. But when you consider eternity, the eternal ramifications of people living forever without God, Without the good news that Jesus came to provide for them life eternal, the issue of access to the gospel, it can quickly rise to the top. And that's not meant to be a cold-hearted statement as though access to water and shelter is not important. In fact, those are two very important issues. But here's what I have found. As we go to bring good news that Jesus came to set us free, those that do it best do it in word and action. In other words, here's what happens. They go to proclaim that good news, but then they also go to help provide clean water. They go to provide good news of who Jesus is, but they also then go to help take care of shelter issues too. So the gospel best goes, but we've got to make sure that we're making the right priority and understand what the greatest issue is today. Because there are more than 7,000 people groups. These are the, the people groups on the wall out here in hallway number two. And that total, approximately 3 billion people who are currently classified as unreached or unengaged. We have labels for them. So what does that even mean? Unreached means that a people group does not contain an indigenous community of evangelical Christians with adequate numbers and resources to spread the good news themselves. In other words, you kind of have to have this base level number of Christians in a people group for them to have the ability to share it among their own people group. Okay, so we've got... A lot of unreached people. And then we have unengaged, which means there's no church, no organization that's actively working within that people group to share good news. Isn't that hard to believe today? That there could be people in our world today that have no access, but it exists. So in other words, these 3 billion unreached and unsaved peoples, almost every individual within them is born, they live, and they die without ever hearing the gospel. I don't know about you, that bothers me. It bothers me. And so the question is, what are we doing about that? And some could wonder, well, is it unfair for God to allow so many to have so little knowledge of Jesus? But I want to be really clear this morning. There's no injustice in God. No injustice. The injustice lies in Christians who possess the good news of Jesus and refuse to give their lives, making it known amongst those who have never heard it. That's where the injustice is. I find it interesting that one of the most common questions asked today among believers is, what is God's will for my life? How can I find God's will? And maybe you've asked yourself that question. It's not a bad question to ask, but here's what I want to share with you this morning. There's good news. God's will is not lost. With 1.4 million Bedouins in Algeria who have never heard the gospel, it makes little sense for us to sit here asking, God, what do you want me to do? It should be clear, right? The will of God is for you and for me to give our lives urgently and recklessly, making the good news of Jesus known among all peoples. And Alan made a great statement last, last week, and that has to start with us here. I can tell you right now, if you don't have a heart and a passion to share Jesus early and often with your neighbor, you're not gonna have a heart to share it with somebody in Saudi Arabia either. So we've gotta start here. The question is not, can we find God's will? The question is, will we obey it? We already know what it is. Our ambition must be to share the good news of Jesus where it's never been known. And that doesn't mean, let me be clear this morning, that doesn't mean we don't take care of people in the greater Lafayette area. Well, we absolutely are committed to doing that. We support local organizations, helping the unborn, orphans, those affected by homelessness, people and recovery, and even those caught up in modern day slavery. We have the only food pantry in West Lafayette that serves anyone in need. That happens here on a Tuesday. Isn't that awesome? Thank the Lord for those that serve there. We lead Bible studies in the community corrections building. We prayer walk parts and places of this city that people question. <laughs> Why are you there? Because Jesus is there. We annually support food backpacks for kids in our public schools. We, we regularly help church members in need, and those who are not church members that express needs, we help them too. So you better believe we're gonna make a difference locally. But I also want you to understand, we want to reach those here in West Lafayette also for the sake of those on the other side of the globe. We do it hand in hand. We don't separate those two things. And, It's interesting. I had made a statement four years ago, and it came back to me this year. In 2016, as we were working through a message talking about what we wanted to do as a local church, I made the statement, I want to reach the Williams of West Lafayette for the sake of Sam's in Saudi Arabia. And then I got this awesome video from one of our global partners this year. If you were here for Vision Sunday, you got to see it, but I felt like it's worth playing again this morning. Let's, Let's watch that video.
1: Hello, Connection Point Church. We love Pastor Zach and Shelley Maddox. We are so thankful for your prayers. Thank you that
2: through Kingdom Builders you give to Saudi Arabia. God is doing some wonderful things here, things
0: that weren't possible just even a few years ago. We celebrated our first baptism a few weeks ago, and that's now led to the start of a first little house church. And I'm here with my buddy Sam, and he wants to say hi to you.
2: Hello, my friends. I'm Sam here. I'm one of the converted Christian. one of the new believers. I'm one of the fruit of your prayers. I really thank you for your prayers. I'm very happy to know that someone actually praying for us. I would love to thank you for that.
0: We're just so grateful for what you do for Saudi Arabia. Thank you for those prayers. Thank you for that giving. Thank you, Kingdom Builders. Thank you very much. All right. Isn't that awesome? Oh my gosh. I'm so thankful we're reaching the Williams of West Lafayette, but I am so thankful we're reaching the Sams of Saudi Arabia. I'm telling you, when he said his name, like, I just stopped. I'm just like, thank you, Jesus. And then I started praying, Jesus, we want to reach the Mohammeds. Like, Jesus, we'll name them all, you know? Lord, help us. That's amazing. So I want to say thank you for being a part of a church that's committed to reaching the nations, because we are which is both a pat on the back, and and that's also a challenge. It's a pat on the back for those that have been a part of our missions council, that have been a part of of giving toward Kingdom Builders, that have been a part of participating in our global prayer events. But it's also a challenge for for those of us that maybe haven't yet participated in those things. We've really tried to make it as simple as we can for us to partner well, but it incumbent upon all of us to then make a decision. It's important in my life, and I want to do that. And that's what I'd like to put before you today. I want us to consider this. What right do we have, anyone in the greater Lafayette area, to hear the good news of Jesus twice when there's three billion people that have yet to hear it once? Jesus, help us. We've got to be committed to this mission, and we can't do it alone, that our global partners, they need us, but we need them too. So I would say, if you've ever, if you've never participated, we've got a global prayer event this Wednesday. Come and be a part of that. You want a partner in the nations? Pray. Pray. And what did he say? I'm the fruit of your prayers. Woo! If that doesn't make you want to pray, I don't know how to help you this morning. That's amazing. So come out and, and pray. If you've not been a part of giving to Kingdom Builders, we're going to take up a special offering for that today. Be a part of giving that way. If you're not serving on our church missions council, plan today to sign up because we want to encourage you to do that today. Missions partnership matters because access to the gospel is the greatest challenge facing our world today. But it also matters because it brings joy into the hearts of our global partners. I love this verse. Missions, partnership matters because it brings joy into the hearts of those who are serving in hard places. So Philippians, what it is, is it's really a thank you letter from Paul to a church that he started and a church that's been actively supporting his ongoing work. We as a local church, we support our global partners by giving and praying for them. We're constantly doing this. Uh, There's a story in the Old Testament that actually illustrates some of this partnership and how the battle gets won. In Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 13, the Amalekites, they attack the people of Israel. Joshua leads the army out against them, and Moses stays on top of a hill overlooking the battle in spiritual warfare, holding up the staff before God. While his hands are up, the Israelites prevail, but when they're down, the Amalekites prevail. But in the end, Moses, what he has to do is he sits on a rock and then Aaron and Hur, they stand on either side helping to hold up the staff of God. And there's two partnerships at work here. First of all, there's this partnership between Joshua and the army fighting the battle and then Moses who's lifting them up in prayer. There's a partnership there. But there's also this partnership for Moses and Aaron and Hur who are holding up the staff so that the children of Israel can prevail in that battle. And this for me is a picture A bit of what our regional directors do is they pray for and help lead prayer for the Joshuas who are out on the front in battle. We have them. You just saw one, Dick. He is out on the front in battle and we're lifting him up in prayer. But then we have this missions council that helps to support those regional directors and what God's doing through them. And I think it's a wonderful picture of how we participate in the battle. We do it. I've actually asked Deanne Dalton, one of our regional directors, if she'd come and talk a little bit about our missions council this morning. Would you welcome her as she comes? I have no idea what mic I just grabbed some, guys. I'm sorry.
2: I'll start talking. Oh, there you go. And they'll figure it out. (laughs) Right?
0: So feel free. Just talk a bit about, yeah, just the value of missions, what that's looked like in terms of what that's meant to our global partners. I mean, you guys have been in that for a couple of years now.
2: Yeah. We are the uh, Eurasia Regional Directors here at the church. I have to say, before Zach and Shelly came, we really didn't have much of an idea of what missions really meant. And over the five years that they've been here... Um, well, actually missions has changed our lives Mm. (laughs) big time. Mm. Um, I cannot express to you in words what it means to know that my prayers have changed someone's life eternally. Oh man. You saw that guy up there. That's a fruit of our prayers in heaven. There are going to be people Mm. that come up to us and say, thank you. Your prayer released me from the power of darkness. Mm. I can't even imagine what that's going to be like. Hmm. I told pastor at our uh, staff meeting this week, I started talking about how it has blessed us. We, there, we support 35 missionaries in, Ur- in the Eurasia area, um, the hard soil of the Arab world and North Africa and up the Silk Road, um, India, where there are millions of people that have not had access to the gospel yet. And I was telling him that I get all the, because we're the area directors, we get all their newsletters and, and their Facebooks. You know, I'm hooked up with their private Facebooks. And, and every single day there's, there's something that comes from one of them that just excites me. And I, and I said to Pastor, gee, I wish everybody in the church was hooked in like this. Hmm. And you know what? You can be. Amen. <laughs> you can be. It is the most exciting thing. You you know you look if you look at Facebook much it can be a real. Pfft. But <laughs> I'll tell you what when when one of our global partners um, a couple that is in um, Basra uh, Iraq, Iraq. Mm-hmm. we got people in Iraq and they start talking about what God is doing in their lives and you see their their day to day walk it's like. You get on your knees and you pray harder.
0: Mm.
2: It's, I, I, I just really encourage you. I love the scripture you shared. I actually have never put that in context before. Mm. I love, I've always quoted that he will complete the work that he's begun in me. You know, I, I love that part. But I didn't realize that it was connected with doing the gospel. Yeah. And what a great promise when we get old and gray like we are. that God's not done yet. Amen. He's not done yet because we have taken a hold of his hand and we have partnered with him in his work. Mm. It just sends chills down my spine. Mm. And the thing that I've noticed too is we took a step first of all to get involved in the global partnership. Mm. But you know what else we're doing? We're some of those crazy people that on Thursday afternoons at 4 o'clock go down on Cincinnati Street and walk around and try to find people and say, hey, we're down here praying over you. Can we pray for you? Is there anything we can pray for? Hmm. I don't think I'd be doing that if God hadn't expanded my vision out Hmm. past Lafayette first. Hmm. And then I had eyes to see those that are my near neighbors. I challenge you. It will bless your life. It will change your life. Mm. God has done things in, in, our, in our finances. He's done things in our home. He's brought people to us across the world that we would never, ever known mm. through a step of faith saying, Thank you, yeah, we'll pray for you. We'll pray for you. Do it.
0: Amen.
1: Okay. Uh about a week ago I think it was wasn't it when we met with the Nesbitts yeah uh we met with some missionaries and pastor and that I did for lunch and we got to talking with them and sharing with them and um and then I told them that they would be a part of Dan and I's group and that we would be looking for someone to hook them up with you know somebody that would be in contact with them and email them and and um, pray for them and that, but that but we would be praying for them every month. We always meet in the prayer room every month. Our erasure group does, and we pray over all of our missionaries and, and over that wall. Mm-hmm. And as I was sharing this with them, when I told her that we would be hooking them up with someone that would pray for them and be emailing them, her face just lit up. Yeah. And she just stared at me hmm. and said, that's it's great, it, it's wonderful. And then I realized that now they have a string that comes back to here.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, they have someone. They know someone's here. Hmm. They know someone's praying for them. They know someone is going to be alerted to their emails and know what to do. So that's, that's what I challenge you. You know, so you don't want to go to Timbuktu. So you don't go. But you can send someone. Amen. You know, you can... And if you can't, you know, if you financially, you say, well, we not can, you can pray. Amen. You know, prayer doesn't cost you anything but a few hours. I was going to say minutes, but I didn't want you to, I didn't want to let you off the hook. <laughs> 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 it is a, it is a wonderful thing that we all, all of us together are intercessors for Jesus. Yeah, He's interceding for me right now. Hmm. And the least I can do is intercede with him for someone else. Amen. Be on my knees, be ready to go, be ready. It's You know, it's, it's a great thing. So I Amen. challenge you, please, hmm. come get involved. Amen. Let's go across the ocean. Yes. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, Dalton. <laughs> <clears throat> hmm. Well said. Our, our praying and interceding for our global partners matters. It matters big time. It matters in Mali. It matters in Spain. It matters in the Dominican Republic. It matters all around the world. We advance on enemy territory every time we pray. I believe that. What did Sam from Saudi Arabia, I am the fruit of your prayers. I want to make that, and Deanne kind of alluded to it. Let's make that personal this morning. Sam is the fruit of Mick and Deanne's prayers. Sam, it blesses me. He's the fruit of Dan and Stacey Gaines' prayers who serve on a missions council. He is the fruit of Cliff and Linda Ivey's prayers who serve on our missions council. He is the prayers of anybody that serves in that capacity. Why would we not want to be a part of that and see Sam one day in eternity and talk with him about how the Lord led him on that journey? Our lifting up of our global partners in prayer, I just cannot tell you enough how much it matters. And it matters for several reasons. For one, living and serving overseas, it's difficult especially while serving in places that have limited or no access to the gospel. Look, Shelly and I can attest to that personally. There is a reason we have parts and places in this world that have limited access to Jesus. The reason is they are hard places to get to and to live in. They are. As shared last week by Alan, we call them the inconvenient lost because they are inconvenient to get to and to live among for lots of different reasons. Uh, I'm thinking about, so Shelly and I, uh, if you're new to the church, we had spent ten years overseas, and the first part of that was in Khartoum, Sudan, which is not the Hawaii of Africa, by the way. Like, it's a hard place to live. So, but I had this amazing truck, so I had a Toyota Hilux, we don't make them in the in the U.S., it's kind of like a, a Tacoma, I guess, but like, no bells and whistles, but I like it that way. Five speed, you know, like, it's a truck, it's a truck. It had a, a, a winch on the front, you know, to kind of get you out of issues, and so, like, one morning, I'm, I'm driving, so we, we ran schools in those places to try to help make a difference in the lives of people there and to share Jesus that way. And so I'm going to the school one morning. I'm supposed to give the devotional that day, but it had rained, which didn't happen often, and so the silt turns to mud. Like, it's a, it's a mud mess. Which, it's like it's novel at first. Like, this is awesome. Like, you're mud-bogging, you know? Okay, gets tired after a couple of years. So I'm driving... And I, real, I get stuck in the mud, and I realize I'm not going to make it. So I call one of the teachers, hey, could you do the devotion this morning? And I spent the next 45 minutes trudging through the mud, attaching the winch to cement telephone poles to pull it to the next one, to then take it off, attach it to the next, to pull it to the next one. 45 minutes later, I make it to work. Like, okay, it's inconvenient to live in those places, because now I wake up, click a button for a remote start, warms up the car grab my coffee, drive to work, like that's real convenient, right? Okay, where our people live today where they're trying to advance the gospel but where it has yet to go, it's inconvenient to live there. It really is. Shelly, so she was uh, pregnant with Haley when we were in Sudan. And the, part of the problem for Sudan is the heat is, whoo, 120, so 120 is hot. I loved when people would ask, but isn't it dry heat? You just want to slap people. 120 doesn't matter. It's hot, like you can boil an egg, it's hot. So what that meant was, you know, but sleeping, what we did do is we installed like a wall unit in our bedrooms to blow down air to get us to like 80. Which, okay, 80, think about sleeping in, who sleeps in 80 in the summer? Nobody, okay, but that was like the, as good as, but it was better than 120. So, but then what would happen is electricity would cut off in, so it got to the point, once Shelly was like six months pregnant, I'm like look, Go out to the truck, we'd turn on the diesel truck, and she would sleep with Nate in the truck, and I would just kind of be in the house. Like, okay, it's inconvenient to live in those kinds of places. Anybody sleeping in their truck because it's too hot in the house? No, right? It's inconvenient. So I'm sharing this to say prayer matters because the people that we're praying for, they live in difficult places, and they need encouragement. They need joy in their hearts, and it says it comes through prayer, In the early 1900s, when Assemblies of God world missionaries were going out in the world to share the good news of Jesus, everywhere they went, there was mission waiting for them. The whole world was lost. I mean, early 1900s, the gospel had not really gone forth like it has now. But now, over a hundred years later, what we have left, for the most part, are the inhospitable places, either because of religion, culture, or geography. So when our global partners go out, they're going to challenging locations where it says, our prayer sustains their joy. Anybody feel like it's worth praying to sustain our global partner's joy? I'm telling you, it is. I was driving home one evening while we were in Sudan. So we had the, the truck, but I had, uh, we'd shipped a container, and so I threw a motorcycle on there, a Kawasaki, a KLR 650. It's like an on-road, off-road bike. Love that motorcycle. I'm driving home one day, and I'm going past a Shell station. Conveniently, the S, the lights of it, had gone out. I'm driving by, (laughs) I thought, that is the most appropriate sign I have seen so far. (laughs) Those are the kinds of places our people are living in, but I'll tell you what, I get home that evening, and I kid you not, I get an email from the Rutherfords in Lakeland, people that were connected with us in partnership, and just said, just wanted you guys to know we're praying for you. We lifted you guys up in prayer today. It was like in that moment, this verse came alive for me. I thank my God. For the Rutherfords. Always and every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. You can be that somebody, you can be somebody's joy. You can be that person. Our prayers matter because they bring joy into the hearts of our global partners. And our prayers matter because it advances the work. Our prayers. You get to advance the work of the kingdom through prayer, which also brings joy into their hearts. Do you know how much joy it brought into Dick and Jen's hearts for Sam to make that confession of faith and be baptized? You'd better believe it sustains their hearts in the work. It brings joy that way too. When Dick and Jen, they visited here two years ago, so who you got to see on the screen, they were here two years ago around this time. And and Dick shared this, this image of the spear kind of just give a visual illustration of how we all get to participate in the mission. And and here's what he shares, that we have these team leaders, these, these people who are on boots on the ground, the Joshuas who are advancing in those hard places, but then we as a congregation get to be those people with our hand on the spear. And let me ask you this morning, where does the power of the spear come from? Is it in the head or is it in the beam? It's in the beam. Look, that spear doesn't go very far if your hand's not on that part. And that's the part we get to participate in. And so then the question this morning is, where is your hand on the spear? Where is your hand on the spear? Look, some of you, God will put in your hearts to be on the edge of that spear. Some of you, he'll, he'll do it. He's already done it. We've got Catherine overseas. We've got James and Sarah overseas. Jay and Delight are about to go overseas, so some of you will serve there, but for the rest of us, we get to participate with our hand on the spear by being a part of our missions council, by giving to kingdom builders, by praying in our global prayer events. Simple ways to participate, but let me say this, it's simple, but incredibly meaningful and important. Incredibly meaningful and important. So I encourage you, have your hand on the spear. Have it somewhere. Missions partnership matters because it brings joy into the hearts of our global partners. And the last thing we see from these, these verses is missions, partnership matters because it brings completion to the work of Jesus in our lives. This is, this is a profound truth this morning. As we participate in missions, Jesus completes a work in us that it just can't be done otherwise. It's powerful. Paul writes in our passage, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That's the context. And in that context, as we participate in the mission, here's what he says happens. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. As we pray for and give toward God's mission effort, Jesus brings completion to work in our lives. He does. I've already mentioned that he who began this good work is probably a familiar verse to you, but let's not take it out of its context. The completion happens as we participate in missions, as we partner in missions. That's connected to that this morning. The context of Jesus doing this greater work is as we partner with and engage with the mission of God. And how does this happen? Number one, here's what I found: missions keeps us focused, it keeps us focused. It it keeps us awake in the work of God. Uh, Last fall, I took a team of people to Indonesia, which is a large, unreached area in our world today, and and after we'd been there just a couple of mornings, we'd have a morning devotion time, a couple of them made this comment. They said, you know, I kind of feel like I've been a bit asleep in the U.S. And I said, well, welcome to the challenge of living in America. There is something the enemy has done to cause the American church to slumber. I don't know what it is, but that's just one of the tactics he has used, that we slumber instead of serve. But God has it for us to be on mission for him and step into good works he's prepared for us to do. And so it's interesting, Anytime I've taken somebody out of this context, that's usually a comment that's made. And usually connected to that is, why aren't we doing this? That which we were doing in Indonesia, prayer walking, university campuses, why aren't we doing more of this here? It's because the enemy has caused us to slumber in some way. So missions, let me share with you this morning, missions keeps us awake. One of the reasons, so we kick off missions every year in November, and then every other month, we have a guest come and share. Do you know why I do that? Yes, it's for your benefit, but I'll be honest, it's also for mine. I am just as prone and susceptible to falling asleep in this society if I'm not continually challenged to the mission. So every two months, I spend a lot of time with our global partners, and they challenge me, they inspire me, and keep me lit for Jesus. It's important. So, Lord, help us stay on mission for you. And I'm sure I just used a youthy term, and I'm not even sure I used it right. That wasn't the point. I have no idea the context of that term. All right, we'll carry on. Mark can make fun of me later for it. And I also think this applies to church congregations as well. Those church congregations who participate in the mission of God can't expect to see Jesus work through them. This is true. I'm telling you what. As we participate in God's mission... I believe he completes a work in a local church as we collectively participate in that mission because the church that engages in missional activities is following in the footsteps of a missionary God who sent his missionary son to inaugurate the rule of God with his death and resurrection. And this missionary son who ascended to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit to empower a missionary church that would increase the rule of God over the whole earth which would make a way for Jesus to come again and set everything right. That's what we're working for. So the church that participates in this mission can expect to experience more of God than those churches that don't. I firmly believe that. In fact, let me say this in this context this morning. Churches are closing their doors like never before for lots of different reasons. But I believe it's the churches that participate in the mission that never close their doors. They never. So we participate in the mission and God secures us in his kingdom. There's something about that. These missional churches can expect to also share in the reward of missions. We have this story from the Old Testament that illustrates this kind of partnership. In 1 Samuel, chapter 30, David and his band of soldiers, they arrive in Ziklag, their base, to find that the Amalekites have destroyed it and taken all of their women and children as captives. And so they give chase, but they arrive at a ravine where 200 of the men, they're too exhausted to continue." So they stay behind, guarding the supplies, while David and 400 others continue. And after they bring back the women and children, plus a lot of plunder, there's this dispute. Those who continued do not want to share in the plunder for those that remain. But David intervenes and says, The share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. All will share alike. All will share alike. David made this statute and an ordinance for Israel from that day on. Those who send and those who go are in partnership with those and they share in the reward. Whether we send or our hands on the spear on the beam, we participate in the reward. Whether we go, we give, or we pray, we share in the reward of missions, which I want to tell you is most of all Jesus himself. As we participate in the mission, we get more of Jesus. And I'm telling you, in this world we're living in, you want more of Jesus right now. You really do. You want to be full of his spirit. And how do I know that we get more of Jesus? Look at Matthew 28. Again, another verse that I think sometimes gets taken out of context. Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus talking here. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And here's the promise. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. But the context of that promise, that Jesus is with us, we get more of Jesus, is us participating in the mission. Us participating in the mission. Because let me say this, we need more of Jesus to participate in the mission. We cannot do it on our own. Jesus has to go before us to get it done. We get more of Jesus when we do his work. To get more of Jesus, it's important we engage in those missional activities. What a wonder that as we fulfill the mission, Jesus completes his mighty work in our lives. It's a wonder to me. If you have felt like, maybe you have felt like, you could recognize of your own without having to leave this country, maybe you've been sleepwalking through life, the way that you wake up is to engage in the mission of God. How do you do that? Three simple ways I'm going to put before you this morning. Be a kingdom builder. We'll take up a special offering for that. But make that as an ongoing commitment. Be somebody who gives to see the gospel go forth, locally and globally. Attend our global prayer event on Wednesday. We have five of those in a year, that's it. Five times we gather to pray for the nations. Be a part of those this year. First one's this Wednesday at 6.30. And the last thing is, be a part of our missions council. Sign up and personally connect with our mission partners, our global partners, and encourage their hearts and joy. And maybe you don't know that we as a church, we're committed to reaching the world. We absolutely are, locally and globally. We are in 40 different countries with 80 different partners. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. We are in 40 different countries today with 80 different partners, but we don't want to leave them out there alone. We want to be a part of supporting them. I actually want to encourage you, I typically don't on a Sunday, but take out your tablets and smartphones. Take them out, come on. You know you got. It. If you don't have it, that's okay. We've got a place. What I want you to do is I actually want you to sign up for Missions Council today. And so we've made it real easy online. So if you're a part of the Overflow Rooms, or online campus, you can be a part of that as well. Online at connectionpointchurch.org on our homepage is a place to sign up for the Missions Council. So there's, uh, I'm going to throw up a map here. Here's the different regions you can sign up to be a part of. Deanne mentioned Eurasia. That is uh, the place with the most unreached people groups in the world. So the majority of our partnerships are there because we want to share with the unreached. So I would just encourage you, sign up to be part of the missions council. And maybe you're wondering, well, what's the commitment? Let me be clear this morning because I think there's been confusion the last couple of years. This is not a financial commitment. This is not like sponsor a child. All we want you to do is to pray for and encourage our global partners. That's it. So let me, I say that to say anyone can do that. Anyone can email or connect with our global partners on Facebook. Uh, One of the, the families that we had that was partnered with us as we were overseas. Every birthday and anniversary, they would just send an email. Hey, happy birthday, Shelly. Hey, happy anniversary, you two. And what an encouragement to know that, you know what, people are still thinking of us even though we're on the other side of the world right now. So that's about as simple as it is. You pray for and encourage our partners. So I would encourage you, sign up today. Sign up to be a part. You just put in your name, contact information, and then select the region that you are most interested in serving. So although Eurasia has our most unreached people groups, Asia Pacific has a lot of unreached people groups. Northern Asia, a lot of unreached people groups. Africa, unreached people. Every region has unreached people. So in every region, we have global partners there. So I just encourage you, sign up and be a part of supporting our global partners. And so then what happens after you sign up is our, our regional partners will reach out to you and encourage you to come to our global prayer event where we pray for the nations. So once you select the region you want to be a part of on Wednesday night after our global prayer event, so we will pray from 6.30 till 7. And then from 7 to 8, you'll meet with your region, and they'll help you select a global partner that you could encourage for the next year. And that's it. So it's a year-long commitment, and then you can decide next year if that's something you can continue to do. But I encourage you, sign up. This is a very simple but very important way of being a part of our missions council. Uh, If you do sign up, Alan Johnson, who was here last week, he wrote a book called Apostolic Function. We'll give that to you as a gift. It is the best book on understanding missions that I've ever read. It's a little bit heady because he didn't write it for a local church congregation, but if you want to understand missions, it's a great book. And so we'll give you that just as a thank you for serving on our missions council. So sign up and then come to our Global Prayer event at 630 to pray. Because three simple ways to make a difference in partnership missions partnership matters serve on our missions council be a part of our global prayer events we do five in a year and the last way the way that we'll encourage you and, and what we're going to do as we close this morning is to give you can give to kingdom builders so giving to kingdom builders is above and beyond what's your faithful giving so uh so personally Shelley and i faithfully give but then we give to kingdom builders above and beyond that because what we find in the new testament is there's no ceiling on giving it's like Old Testament was law, New Testament is grace, and Jesus, you have given much, and I want to give much too. That's what we find. So Kingdom Builders is that. So I want to review. If you want to know the, the complete list of things that you're giving to as you give to Kingdom Builders, you can go to connectionpointchurch.org/slash KB and they're all listed there. But I'll, I'll mention some of those here. That is you give to kingdom builders. Part of what we're doing on the local church level is investing in ways to extend our reach as people are still worshiping in their home settings, but also doing modifications to things here to make it safer for people to worship in this environment too. So you're giving for that. By giving to Kingdom Builders, you're helping to support a church planting training center in Kazakhstan, which actually what that is is a church planting center that sends out people to all the stand countries, places like Tajikistan, Afghanistan. I find it amazing that we can be a part of reaching an entire region just because of Simple Missions Partnership. So that's part of what's happening this year through Kingdom Builders. You also help us do outreach in China. You support uh, those who are in recovery in the Czech Republic. We're helping a, a teen challenge center there. You create curriculum to train local pastors in Africa on how to reach their Muslim neighbor. You support a sports ministry in the Dominican Republic, reaching the lost there. So your Kingdom Builder dollars are going in lots of places. But it also supports, locally, our food pantry. We're a part of a house build this year for Habitat for Humanity. We've got backpacks full of uh, food for local students who are in need and Thanksgiving baskets for local families. So we help local and we help global through Kingdom Builders. And with Kingdom Builders, the other thing we do is invest in our next generation leaders. If you're unaware, maybe you're new to the church, we send our high school seniors to Morocco to work with global partners there so that they can see what a difference their lives can make on a global scale. So I just encourage you, be a part of advancing God's kingdom and mission partnership. We need our global partners, and they need us. You can partner with them through missions council, through global prayer events, and serving as a kingdom builder. So I'm just going to encourage you through giving. So we've got the giving slide up, so you can give online, text to give, offering boxes in the back. But I'm going to pray over these gifts this morning, and the worship team's going to come, and we'll close in song. Dear Jesus, we just thank you that you invite us to participate in your ongoing mission. That first of all, you sent us your spirit because we can't do it alone. And so God, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit today that empowers us to be witnesses personally. But then Lord, I thank you for the many men and women and families that you have raised up to go and be sent to live amongst those who have no Christian witness. And so God, we want to partner with them in prayer, in giving and encouragement, ongoing support and encouragement. God, help us to be a body that does that well. Help us to be like this Philippian church, that Paul could write and say, I thank God for you. May that be the heart of our global partners as we partner with them. May they be thankful for the way that we support and encourage them. And God, I just pray that you'd multiply the effects of these gifts. Do it for your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen.